Hello and welcome to the Daily Homily with Father Kevin Drew. Father Drew is the pastor of St. Anne's Church in Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Father Drew's Daily Mass can be heard weekdays at 11 Central on Catholic Radio Network Channel Gabriel 2. And now, here's Father Drew. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, thus says the Lord God, because you are haughty of heart, you say, a god am I. I occupy a godly throne in the heart of the sea, and yet you are a man and not a god. However, you may think yourself like a god. Oh yes, you are wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that is beyond you. By your wisdom and your intelligence, you have made riches for yourself. You have put gold and silver into your treasuries. By your great wisdom applied to your trading, you have heaped up your riches. Your heart has grown haughty from your riches. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have thought yourself to have the mind of a God. Therefore, I will bring against you foreigners, the most barbarous of nations. They shall draw their swords against your beauteous wisdom. They shall run them through your splendid apparel. They shall thrust you down to the pit, there to die, a bloodied corpse in the heart of the sea. Will you then say, I am a God, when you face your murderers? No, you are a man, not a God. Hand it over to those who will slay you. You shall die the death of the uncircumcised at the hands of foreigners. For I have spoken, says the Lord God. The word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Amen, I say to you, it will be hard for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For men this is impossible, but for God all things are possible. Then Peter said to him in reply, We have given up everything and followed you. What will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, that you who have followed me in the new age, when the Son of Man is seated on his throne of glory, will yourselves sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for the sake of my name, will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. Therefore, we first give thanks to God the Father and to our Lord Jesus Christ because he has found in our time another David and has again raised up a man after his own heart to feed his people Israel, that is, the chosen race of the Hungarians. Secondly, we praise you for your piety toward God and for your reverence for this apostolic sea over which not by our own merits, but by the mercy of God, we now preside. Finally, we commend the liberality you have shown in offering to St. Peter yourself in your people and your kingdom and possessions by the same ambassadors and letters. That was a letter Pope Sylvester II sent to the king of Hungary, Stephen, who was crowned king with great solemnity in the year 1001. 
Not too many kings are saints. But Stephen of Hungary was a king. He was a saint. He was canonized a saint in 1083. Up to Stephen's time, the Hungarians were pagans and a fierce and marauding people before stumbling onto Christianity in the course of their raids into Italy and France and other Western lands. In the 10th century, the rulers in Hungary saw the political necessity of Christianity for their country. They saw it as a unifying force, which, of course, it is. Catholic means universal. But it was a conversion of expediency, largely nominal. The Hungarians became Christians in name only. No one seemed to actually believe in Christ until the crown prince Stephen rose to power. He engaged in wars with rival tribal leaders, and after defeating them, he sought Rome's approval for the proper church organization of his country. After receiving Rome's approval, Stephen then set out to firmly root Christianity in his kingdom, establishing monasteries and dioceses throughout Hungary. Every tenth town had to build a church, which Stephen paid for and support a priest. Stephen had opposition in his Christianizing efforts, but he crushed it, sometimes with violence. Stephen abolished barbarous and superstitious practices and severely punished blasphemy, murder, theft, adultery, and other public crimes. He commanded all persons to marry, except for priests and religious, and forbade all marriages of Christians with idolaters. At the same time, Stephen was a champion of the poor of his country. He led his people like a true Christian with justice and mercy. It's interesting that Stephen commanded his subjects to get married. See, he knew something that is lost on today's supposed enlightened world rulers. Marriage is the foundation of civilization. It is the basis for the family, the basic building block of society and culture. So looking out for the best interest of his country, King Stephen attacked those who would attack marriage and the family. Stephen of Hungary died on the Feast of the Assumption in 1038. St. Stephen is considered Hungary's founder. And isn't that interesting? A Catholic founder of a European nation. In fact, all European states are rooted in Catholicism, a historical fact suppressed by the present-day kings and queens who rule over a marriage-hating and demographically collapsing European civilization. Not too many kings or saints. The world today could use a Saint Stephen, another David, someone God will raise up after his own heart to feed his people Israel. That is the chosen race, members of the new covenant established by our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. 